0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always, and today, coming to you with the first recap podcast after a Tar Heel win this season. Carolina was expected to come in and beat Georgia State, and they did exactly that. Uh, actually, offensively, had a pretty solid night. We're going to go ahead and look at that. Talk about uh, you know some of the storylines from this game and uh, give you just a small look ahead uh, to that game against Virginia with some of the storylines that come out of this game uh, from Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. Torials did jump uh, in the AP poll to 21st, uh, and, and uh, there's a, another uh, news tidbit that we're going to get to here in just a second. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, uh, Buddy, as uh, welcome in Josh Marlowe, my uh, co-host uh, for the show, as you guys know, during the season and uh, even during the offseason when we do a, a look at some of the on-field stuff. Uh, You know, what did you think of the environment? I know that a lot of people were wondering uh, what the environment would be like in Keenan Stadium the other night. Uh, I I would say for for an opener against a uh, team that is a – FBS opponent, but a group of five opponent, and one that uh, most people, just from looking at the first two games, probably would assume isn't going to be all that great. Uh, it was a relatively solid turnout and a and, and decent environment.
1: Yeah, it was decent and, and at best. Um, I know Mac Brown was impressed with the crowd. I guess he didn't look up into the upper bowl section on the visitor side because there was a lot of empty blue seats. But I thought the student section did a really good job. They stayed engaged um, throughout the game, whether it was – you know, cheering for us, doing the officiating, whatever—they did a really good job. But uh, I think we still got a ways to go with our crowd being invested. That game wasn't over at halftime, and many fans left. And some of the fans that didn't leave, well, their energy level was non-existent. I know Carolina went on to have a 42-point win, but. Um, we want to be more, taking more seriously as a football school. We got to get a better environment. They've done a better job getting some grid segments and stuff during the the breaks to keep us engaged as fans. But uh, it was a decent environment. We need much much more from the fan base this upcoming weekend.
0: See, I think part of it is that you know going to the Panther game then the day after, <clears> um, and I mean there were some people that were complaining about <laughs> about what was going on in between uh, plays, but I mean, the Panthers—they blast music the entire time. Yeah, they do a lot of the stuff to try to keep people engaged, and I—I I understand that. You know, there are sponsors that you've got to read and everything like that, but it just feels like there's moments. During the game, where there's just kind of a lull, some downtime, and everybody just kind of doesn't really know what to do, I think that's the one thing that they've got to get better at. Um, I know some people were critical of the uh, of the entrance, mainly the people in our section were <laughs> critical of the entrance. I actually thought, I really thought it was pretty good. I, I'm I'm a uh, I'm I'm a fan of all the lights. I actually like that as an intro song. Uh, I thought it was better than it's been the pat the past few years. I actually thought that was one of the best. Entrances they've had in, in, in a while. They've just got to find
1: something and make it stick. Whether it's the Raise up North Carolina rap song that you hear with the where they got like the animated like you Roy mean, Williams. You mean
0: Petey Pablo?
1: Yeah, when you got like Roy Williams dancing. They didn't even
0: play that right. this week. I don't. I don't understand um, that one.
1: You know, I, I know for us, if you're just a if you're a college football junkie, um, N C State was getting drug and we never got a score update, a chance to you know. There were no score updates during the game at all. Th- that's <laughs> the thing. If you go to a Clemson, a South Carolina, those are, those are local schools with great environments it's it's a football environment where out the whole time you you know what's going on around the country and that's something that i mean look we're a top 25 team we're right we're relevant let, nationally let, let us
0: know what's going on around
1: um, around us. or the, or fix your internet connection so i can pull it up on my phone well you, you still got to update <laughs>
0: people because some people don't want to look at their phones during the game you know they want to be locked in or whatever and that's fine but I mean you you're right. They didn't and we're not saying look, you got to put it up every time. No, we're talking about like once a quarter. Yeah. When you have some downtime during these 3-minute television timeouts, throw it up there and give us an update. I mean, I I don't get it. They they didn't even do it on the on the um the ones that are on the bottom of the nope. top of, of the upper section. Didn't even put up the scores. It didn't really make sense to me. But, um, I mean, look, those are things that, you know, you, you have to fix in the offseason. You can't fix them in season, really. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I think that the, the other night, it showed that look, there are going to be people that are going to show up. I think next week you'll probably see it completely full, and I think there are signs of it being a pretty good environment. I think part of it, honestly, was that this was a game that most people felt they should just walk in and win no matter what. So ask
1: foresight how that went, though losing at home. To oh, Jackson, exactly. No,
0: you should have to. You should be bringing that environment every time you play, no matter what. But next week, it's got to be got to be locked in from the word go that's a huge game i mean honestly you're you're talking about that environment's got to be like when mac uh came back to carolina for his home opener against miami a few years ago it's got to be from the word go it's got to be loud people have to be enthusiastic and, and uh, I, but I'll tell you one thing though. It was, uh, it was great to be back in yeah. Canaan Stadium. That, that was first time in two years and it felt really, really good. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, we'll start with some of the top storylines. Uh, the Tar Heels did jump to 21st in the AP poll. So up three spots after dropping to 24th, uh, after the loss to Virginia Tech. So Carolina solidly inside the top 25 somehow, Somehow Virginia not ranked inside the top 25. I mean, they've gotten off to a pretty good start. I know that William and Mary and Illinois are not the best opponents that you could start off with, but they have destroyed both of those teams. Uh, And I don't even know if they were in receiving votes. I'm not – sure about that it's going to be
1: hard for the ACC to get teams ranked because the perception of this league took a really big hit in week one you look at week two state losing at Mississippi State in blowout fashion Florida State losing at home to Jacksonville State the perception of the ACC is not good right now terrible Um, terrible so and and look if, if, if Carolina misses messes up again and loses You'll be looking at the situation like when 2015, when that team was 11 and one and was barely ranked going into November. Carolina's going to be in the same situation if they if they trip up and lose one of these games they shouldn't lose. Um, but Virginia's Virginia's going to be a quality football team. They're going to be ready to play this weekend.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Carolina also finding out today. This was revealed by Mac Brown that uh, junior corner Day Day Hollins is out for the season with a lower body injury. Kind of knew that something was. No, that, that it was somewhat severe. When he went down the other night, it took him a while to get up, and he had to be helped over to the sideline. So unfortunately, uh, he is out for uh, the, the rest of this season. As for Jaquarius Conley, don't know if he's going to have to miss any time, but his dad did confirm on social media that he has two broken hand, broken bones in his hand. Uh, so, look, that's... <sighs> Not good, Bob. Just, just terrible luck. Just <laughs> What? <laughs> nah, that, I mean, just terrible luck for a guy that arguably has been Carolina's best defensive player out of the gate so far this season. To go down with that injury, it is to his left hand. Unfortunately, he is left-handed. So, um, I think... He came back out in the second half, actually played a little bit with the club on his hand, but I don't know how much they're going to really be able to use him because when he's out there, that pretty much means he's not going to be able to tackle like normal guys tackle uh, because he can't wrap up clearly with a club on, and he's not going to be able to play the football unless it's just a lob pass that's thrown up and he can one-hand it. Um, So that's, that's going to be really interesting, but you know what? It wouldn't be a Tar Heel football season without secondary injuries, right? I can't remember the last time that the Tar Heels went through a full season without having injuries in the secondary. It is every year now there is a stretch of time where you have somebody in that secondary that misses – uh, some sort of extended time.
1: Yeah, uh, that's why they've been adamant about building depth because we're not going to sit here and feel sorry for them. No one else around the country is going to feel sorry for them. Injuries are a part of the game; attrition is the name of the game. That is college football. Um, so, luckily, they've addressed that. We feel like we've got some quality guys in that secondary. That if we need them to step up, we feel like they can do the job.
0: Well, and the other good news is that it seems like Storm Duck is going to be back uh, playing some sort of reps in that game against Virginia. Jay Bateman pretty much confirmed that. Today. Day when he was asked about DeAndre Hollins missing the rest of the season, uh, basically they've just said they've been trying to work him back slowly. Uh, unless I'm I'm a miss here, I believe he's dressed for both games, but he hasn't played. So I, I get. I mean that's a good sign. Yep. Uh, they've just you know simply they they were trying to use Hollins as much as they could to give duck more time to work back in and of course you've got Tony Grimes and Kyler McMichael starting on the outside but now they're going to need him a little bit earlier than maybe they were probably hoping uh, so hopefully he'll be ready to go for this week's game against the Virginia Cavaliers. Let's take a look back at the game against Georgia State. Uh, Carolina not much of an issue on Saturday night with the Georgia State Panthers uh, as it got later into the game as they pulled away 59-17 to but there was a time uh, early in the second half where uh, Carolina, uh, you know, had given the ball back to Georgia State and Georgia State actually had a chance uh, to make that a one-score game. So uh, this was a game that was a little bit closer than you probably wanted for a long time. But uh, in the end, Carolina put their foot on the gas and were able to pull away from the Panthers and make it look a, a little bit better on the scoreboard than probably some people, uh, you know, w- would have expected.
1: Yeah, two weeks in, and I'm right. On both of my predictions, I predicted us to lose at Virginia Tech, and then I predicted us to beat Georgia State. But I told you that I thought it would be a kind of up and down, choppy, uneven performance. The first half was definitely that. They started fast, as they always seem to do at home in Keenan Stadium since Mac Brown returned. But for whatever reason, whether well, and look, Georgia Tech settled or Georgia State settled in. They made some well, the, adjustments.
0: The, the turnover where uh, Ty Chandler knock the ball out of Sam Howell's hands. That's what really seemed to turn them Um, up. That's
1: that's where Carolina's got to get better in in these types of games because, you know – moving forward if you fall asleep like carolina did for like those 10 to 15 minutes they can get you beat but it was it was a good performance on the offensive side of the football sam howell returned to form he still looks a little bit off throwing the football whether it's down the field whether it's just the timing still off the confidence in this for guys to go make plays is still off um i thought the defense made some adjustments again after a slow start up front made some made some plays um was six or seven tackles for loss, and that was very encouraging. They found some answers, which was a big a big thing. We, we talked about heading into this game, but as Mac Brown said, after the game and in today's presser, they've still got a, a lot of work to do to be at the football team they want to be. I
0: mean, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's no way the way that they played the other night is going to have them in a position to beat Virginia. Uh, it, it was not – very sloppy – Um, On the offensive side of the ball, there were a lot of concerns, and we're going to talk about those. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball. There were some issues that have to definitely get addressed. But let's take a look at the box score really quickly. Uh, You know, from Carolina's perspective, I mean, offensively, it's really hard to argue with how much production they had on the night. 607 yards of total offense. 201 yards on the ground. I'm going to be honest, don't know, really know how they got there, but large part of that is because of their starting quarterback. He yep. actually had over half of those yards. So uh, that, that makes a little bit more sense. But you threw for 406 yards as a team in this game. That was really the element of this Carolina offense that was missing in the first game. That was here in this game was the ability to hit the big play, um, which is great. That's 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 awesome. But you know that's something that, as we've seen, when you're not able to do that, you've got to be able to find ways to consistently move the football when you can't hit those big plays down the field. And that's something that they've still got to get figured out here, especially going against a Virginia team that, uh, you know, over the past couple of years has let them hit some big plays, but it hasn't really mattered because they found a way uh, to end up beating them. Carolina holds Georgia State to just 271 yards of total offense in the game amazingly 181 of those yards were on the ground just 90 passing yards through the air which I mean look part of that is that I think Carolina made some plays on the back end the other part of it was that Cornelius Brown cannot throw the football I I mean look I'm not trying to knock on the guy but there were plenty of times there there were there were a lot of lapses in coverage Where he just overthrew guys. And I know you watched him in the first game as well when you went back and watched their game against Army. I just – I get it. The, The stats show you it was a really good performance but i do think that there are some things that they can work on going forward no most
1: definitely um, if you were there in the stadium it wasn't you know you were able to see the guys that were still open that the quarterback cornelius quad brown uh, just simply couldn't make the throws and look you got to test some of that was well, to the fact that while carolina only had one sack there was enough pressure Throughout the game to have him off balance did a much better job um, than they did against Virginia Tech. No and, doubt. and all and all we've said in the last couple of years is like if you're not going to sack the quarterback at least make him uncomfortable, take him out of his rhythm. And I thought they did that as well as they've done um, in the last couple of years uh, since Mac Brown and Jay Bateman came back to run the defense. But. There were still some, you know, some some miscoverages that um, if you have that this week, it's Brendan Armstrong. This guy just threw five touchdowns against Illinois. He's not going to miss those throws. The, you know, they'll they'll end up in big plays. Um, and I said this to you during the game as well. I went back watched Georgia State's game against Army. If Carolina and like Mac Brown said when they scout, they watch the team's previous last three games. Army didn't do any of the things – or Georgia didn't do any of those things against Army that we saw. None of the, all, It was a very vanilla, basic game plan. So Carolina probably wasn't as prepared scouting-wise for what Georgia State did with the formations, with the motions, and whatnot. So maybe that was part of it. But – um. yeah, there were some plays on the field that had Georgia State made. This could have been a
0: closer game, deeper than that second half. Yeah, and look, Mac Brown said that they didn't even really look at that game that much against Army because that was a game, especially on the defensive side, you can't really take nothing away from that. So they were going to focus really on their last three games of last year. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they've changed some things up or whatever. But I I think one of the things that we've learned about this team is that teams that can get to the edge and run the football are going to be problems for this group. It's it's not that they don't have the speed. Uh, They just don't have the gap discipline on the outside. There were plenty of times early on in the game where the speed option just killed Carolina and which, they couldn't figure out a stop. Which is why
1: I'm, I'm still baffled a week later that when Jay Bateman addressed the media following the, the Virginia Tech game, he's, he's flat out said, well, we thought they were going to run it at us, not around us. Not many people run at Carolina until they have to, because then they can run around Carolina. That's been going on for 10 years. It's not going to change until you prove you can stop it. And I think you're right. It's gap discipline. It's shedding blocks. And it, it's it's always you're getting your arm on the guy, but when the guy's already past you, and they're and look, Georgia State players are going to break those types of arm tackles. Players are too good now. Where arm tackles are, are you know, they're they're not going to get a guy down. Um, and it's just something that it's it's mind boggling that for 10 years this hasn't been fixed. But we feel like we've gotten better, and yet they still gave up 181 rushing yards. So it's it's something that's it's give and take. Um, but you know with Virginia, they're going to line up and they're going to run around you because it's beaten you for four straight years with that kind of
0: game plan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got to be prepared for that. They've got to be prepared for another mobile quarterback. But another guy that, I mean, he, he looks – he, he's a guy, if, if you're looking for the quarterback in the ACC that took the biggest step, it's probably Brendan Armstrong. And We'll talk about him more when we start talking about that game. Uh, just really quickly running over some of the stat leaders for Carolina in this game. Of course, their passing leader, not shocking, Sam Howe, 21 of 29, 352 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Also led the team in rushing, 11 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, had the six... <laughs> No, it was it was longer than that. Which one? Oh, where? I, I have it. Right here. Oh, 62. I was right in the 60s. 62-yard rushing touchdown. That, of course, was paired with his earlier rushing touchdown to kick off the scoring in the game, a 22-yard scamper. Uh, and Scooter, Scooter Sammy was looking pretty good yeah. out there. Uh, that was the first time we've really seen him sort of open it up in the open field. Uh, and that's something that I think now that he's shown that, that could become a little bit more of an element of this offense. Now, please – Please do not go back to the straight QB draw that we saw. That that has not been a Phil Longo thing. We saw that a lot, though, when Larry Fedora was on campus, and that was one of the plays I hated the absolute most when they ran that. But I, there's there's an element here that has to be utilized with his legs, right? I, I, at this point, you can't ignore it, especially with the struggles that you've had running the football outside of him. Well, the, the, the easy answer is yes. I think the, the hard
1: part is how does Carolina – Put that in their offense because I don't think there's a lot of read option into this offense because if they're reading defenders, they're still giving the balls off with some of the gaps. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Then then we've got a, we got a whole different issue with how they're reading a defense. The 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 biggest issue I think that they've had um, since the last since he's gotten here with Sam is that he doesn't slide and he takes hits that he doesn't need to take, and we're still. I guess you could say after Saturday night, Jacoby Criswell is your backup quarterback, and I think Jacoby Criswell is going to be a fine player for Carolina next year. But I don't, I don't think unless they can get him to start sliding, how much designed runs they're going to call for him because he likes he likes to take hits. He's got that Tim Tebow in where he's going to lower his shoulder. He's going to, he's going to try to run over a defender, which he can. He has the 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 uh, potential to do that, or he can outrun a defender as he did the other night. But I think you have to put that in your in your offense because your running backs aren't getting the job up uh, getting the job done up front which is making it harder for your running backs to get going in the running game and this is a run first offense so whether it's with your quarterback the running backs whoever you've got to find more ways to run the football consistently
0: yeah and look I don't think it has to be all that often I mean the other thing is is that the way that your offensive line is playing like right now you can't really have him take many more hits than he's already taking that's not going to be good for
1: you I think the best thing was that you saw that adjustment from that Virginia Tech game where there wasn't anything downfield. Instead of trying to force it or wait until something came come out, came open, he just took and ran. And whether it was three or four yards or the 62-yard touchdown or whatever, th- those three or four-yard plays is a positive play. Well, to be fair, this is not quite the – group of athletes that Virginia. It's not but it's defense. it's still the same principle of t- if there's nothing there, take off, run, get two to three yards, get out of bounds, you play to live another down as opposed to holding the ball, holding the ball and getting sacked.
0: So Carolina's leading receiver on the night, this really shouldn't shock anybody. The most in terms of most receptions, it was Josh Downs, eight catches, seventy three yards and a touchdown on eleven targets. Anton Green actually led the team in receiving with three catches for 117 yards. Uh, and a touchdown on only three targets. So he, uh, he looked... Really, really good in this game. Carolina uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Jaquarius Conley and Cameron Kelly, uh, the two guys that led the team in tackles with five total. Uh, Both guys had strong performances. Carolina did get an interception in the game by way of Power Echols. Uh, And uh, Carolina also in this game, the lone sack uh, on the day went to Miles Murphy. So as you mentioned, not a ton in the stats category, uh, but still they were able to get some pretty consistent pressure on the quarterback a lot better than they did a, a week ago and so far one of the other things that I've noticed a lot of that pressure that they've gotten in the first two games and we want to see a little bit more of it but a lot of the pressure that we've seen so far hasn't really been because they've had to blitz so that's something that they've they were focused on trying to eliminate in the offseason having a blitz as much they were focused on trying to win some of those one-on-one matchups it's not great just yet but it's coming along slowly.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is that um, the pr- or, or the coverage in the secondary is holding up, that even if it's taking them an extra second or two to make that pocket collapse, the quarterback still has nowhere to go with the football, so he's standing in the pocket, standing in the pocket, and then all of a sudden it does collapse. Another thing I took away from this, and, and look, it's not, a, it's not a shot at Miles Murphy or Ray Velocic or whoever. I think Carolina has to get Javari Ritzy – and Cayman Rucker on the field more often because when those guys when they walk on the field, they play with a sense of urgency that those guys right now aren't showing, and they they live in the backfield. And so I think the rotation is there, and I think the production is there to where those guys aren't going to lose snaps. Now you know that we got an ACC game coming up this weekend or whatever. Right, those well, guys got to be
0: on the field. Well, Miles Murphy, I, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't take him off the field. No. He looked really good the other night. Uh, My best defensive lineup right now would be Murphy in the middle and flanking him would be Rucker and Javari Ritzy. Those are the guys that are playing the best right now. Now, look, you still have to use rotation, but, I mean, Javari Ritzy looked great yet again, and you're seeing that already. I think, you know, they they don't want to rush him into a huge role, which makes sense. You don't want to put him in a role that he's not ready for and that sets him back in terms of his growth. But he is – I mean, every time he's on the field, he's a guy that's standing out. You're seeing number five doing something. Um, and Cayman Rucker, yeah. I mean, we've been on that train since last year. Yeah. We, we got to see more of him. I mean, it, it, the, the butcher is, it, is doing work. He's got to see. He's butchering. He's got to see more time out there because every time he's a guy that every time he's on the field, something's happening. Yep. So we, I, I, I'm with you. I think we've got to see more of those guys uh, going forward. And and part of that as we get into some of the you know storylines here, we'll, we'll go to the one I had about the defensive line. I, I just think you know they've gotten off to some slow starts here out of the gate. It, you know it was it was much of the same of what we saw against Virginia Tech early in this game where. Georgia State just looked more ready to go in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and I think that's shocking. On the offensive side of the ball, I I think that's something that right now we just got to deal with, and we'll talk about it here in just a second with the offensive line. But on the defensive side, I mean, you're rotating these guys. You feel like you've got more talent, but for some reason they just can't get going out of the gate at the level that we've seen them you know, at other times during the game. In this game, I think it was a little more hit and miss. Like, you'd see a tackle for loss, but then you'd see, you know, a gap get cleared and they end up reeling off an eight, nine-yard run or something like that. Um, But I think that especially going into ACC play, and and if they want to win this game against Virginia, they've got to be better from the word go on that defensive line. I don't know if it's better is the right word. I think it's just more consistent. It's like you said,
1: you get a tackle for a loss and it's like, hell yeah, but then the very next play you get moved out of position and then the whole play breaks down and you give up a big gain, even if you're just holding your gaps – don't you feel like you got two guys that play linebacker? Then go find the football, and make plays, and and and, and those guys. Yeah. And like sometimes that's what you're asking for them to do when they call a certain defense is like, hey, look, you do what you got to do up front, do your job. I and mean, that's the most like coach speak ever. And let Jeremiah Gimmel, Eugene Asante, let them go find the football, or let Des Evans come off the corner and get a you know get a sack or something like that. They got to be more consistent for sixty minutes. You you want to be an elite team, you want you want to compete to win an ACC championship. You got to be consistent for 60 minutes. We're not good enough to play 40 minutes, 45 right. minutes, 50 minutes. That'll get you beat. Well,
0: here's the other thing. It's understandable why this is happening, though, because most of your. Most of your talent, the guys that you look at and say are going to put us in that elite category or are going to at least put us in that top three in the ACC, most of those guys are young. So it's still going to take time. But you want to I mean, so far out out of the gate, Tamari Fox is non-existent. I have not seen him really do much at all so far this season. And you've seen it. I looked at his snap count the other day. It's cut down. He's played less snaps now so far this season than Javari Ritzy has. And 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 that shows you, you these guys that are veterans, look, even if you're not on the talent level of some of these other guys, you've got to step up and... I mean, you've got the experience in the system. It's now just about getting the job done, and right now those guys can't, so you're having these freshmen that we know are going to make mistakes having to play big roles early.
1: Well, look... uh age or, you know, youth inexperience, that's an excuse. Um, I, I, I'm I, not going to buy into the fact that they're young. Um, they've been in the system. They had a full offseason. They should be able to go out there and hold their own. But the whole mantra in the offseason was, we were going to get less player or, or less plays with more production. And with guys that we're counting on, whether it be Timone Fox, Tamari Fox, we're getting less plays and less production. We're getting the exact opposite of what we were designed to do in the offseason. And Carolina needs those guys to be productive players to get this defense like you predicted in the in the preseason to be a top 25 defense.
0: Yeah, I, I mean look, I, you say it's it's an excuse. I mean it is what it is. You know especially in the trenches that your young guys are not going to be at the level that some of your veteran guys are because you, you can have a, a year in the weight room. You're still not going to be on the same level. Now Georgia State no, that's, that's a team that you should be able to handle no matter what. Guys, especially the veteran guys, should have no issue winning at the line of scrimmage against them. So that's what that was what was a little concerning early on. But for some of the younger guys, like last week against Virginia Tech, it's understandable why you weren't winning rep after rep against those guys. It's going to take time. It'll progress throughout the season. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think at this point, you're going to start seeing, especially J- Javari Ritzy, I think, At some point this season will be a starter on that defensive line. It's just you can see it manifesting itself every time that he's out there on the field. He's just he's making plays. He's around the football. They've just they got to get to a point where they feel that. They're comfortable with him probably in terms of, you know, knowing everything that goes into the system and everything like that. But once they get to that point, I don't think they're going to hesitate to put him out there. Um, You know, one of the other things I took away defensively, we'll stick on that side just really quickly, is that a lot of the young defensive pieces, we talked about Javari Ritzy on the defensive line, but especially those linebackers looked great. And I know that you were playing against the second team of Georgia State, but... I told you that Ra-Ra Rod Rod Dilworth just flies around. And we knew that was an element to his game. He looked really good in the open field. Did a good job tackling. But I thought Power Eccles, I mean, he, he looked really good in the spring game. We've heard so many great things about him throughout fall camp. I think at this point, You saw him drop into coverage, everything like that. He's doing a lot of really good things. I I know – I don't want to see him in a huge role, but I think at some point you've got to start getting him out there and seeing what he can give you against some of these big-time ACC teams.
1: Yeah, those two dudes – they're going to be studs next year, and, and for the years to come, they'll probably be the best linebacking tandem maybe in the ACC. It'll be up there in the country. Um, we've compared them to Quan event and Bruce Carter and those defense and those linebackers from the Butch Davis era, and they've lived up to the billing. the 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 ability that Ra Ra Dilworth has to close on a play and take away the space that you think is there that's what you know you were getting out of Isaiah Hem- uh, Simmons at Clemson, and when you get that. That, make, that changes the way you do – the way you play defense, the way you scheme, the way you do everything. And then with Powell Reckles, the ability to drop back into coverage, he had the interception, um, and then, you know, he's strong and fast and all that kind he's of stuff. He's a hard-nosed player they, too, man. They're just going to be – they're going to be really hard to, you know, scheme against for offenses because they can do so much that, that – is going to be unaccountable for for another uh, offense, I'm with you. Um, And I think that was a big point emphasis while they got on the field as early as they did in this game was that – you know, look, Caroline's already starting to have some injuries, you know, so you're going to need these guys, um, and they're the future of your defense. If they have small roles, whether situational packages or whatever, I'm not against it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look, Cedric Gray looked good, too. He had two tackles in the game. He actually forced a fumble. I mean, he, he, he had himself a pretty good game. I think that's one of the main things, though, is that, look, so far early on in the season, I mean, they haven't been bad. But Jeremiah Gimmel and Eugene Asante haven't been around the football or making plays at the level that we probably thought they would out of the gate. So, I mean, yeah, some of these young guys, I think it's not a bad idea to try to start rotating some of these guys in and and see if they can't start making plays for themselves uh, as well. Go over to the offensive side of the ball. Clearly a lot more storylines here. It, It starts up front. This offensive line, once again, was not great in this game. Nope. They were not as bad as they were against Virginia Tech, but you weren't playing ACC talent. If this was an ACC team that they were playing against, it would have been basically the same exact performance in this game. Uh, you know, Again, put in a really tough spot. Joshua Zudu ends up not being able to play in this game, so you get Brian Anderson back, but then you lose arguably your best uh, offensive lineman, a guy that uh, is the anchor of that offensive line. and It's one big. We didn't really see coming until they announced that he wasn't going to play in this game. Uh, They didn't really hint at that during the press conferences, anything like that. So you wonder if it was maybe a midweek injury or something. Um, But yeah, he, uh, as of right now, don't know if he's going to even be able to play this weekend against Virginia. Uh, They said that they're going to go throughout the week and evaluate him, but... Carolina's is just in the spot right now where they're going to have to, you know, find solutions because it looks like one or multiple guys along this offensive line are gonna be out of the game. And to be honest with you, the guy that came back in Brian Anderson, he didn't grade out all that well and really didn't look all that great out there either the other
1: I, night. I think that was maybe the biggest takeaway you had outside of look you know you gotta take a you don't have Azud, he's your best offensive lineman. And you know, I haven't done all of my post game work from the, the game yet. That'll be tomorrow before we get ready for it. Virginia, I don't know what happened to take him off the field to put Kieran Johnson back at the center position, but Carolina looked better with Kieran Johnson at center as opposed to Brian Anderson, which doesn't make a lot of sense because of how bad that offensive line looked a well, week ago that, with Kieran Johnson
0: at center. Well, that tells you everything you need to know. With him at center, the team was still able to move the ball. The problem last week was the fact that uh, uh, Awesome Richards was at guard for most of the day, and that Izudu was at tackle. You needed to keep your guy, Izudu, who's been the anchor of your line for a couple of years now, and it has been that starting left guard. I know that he graded out well, but when this offensive line's at its best, Izudu is at left guard.
1: So, um, you know, we talked all during the summer that Carolina, that Matt Brown felt more comfortable with the depth and it's a good thing because they need that depth. that appears moving forward
0: with yeah. Anderson, with the Zudu, Montillis, man, he—I—I I, I mean, he wasn't perfect. I, I thought, honestly, I thought he was—he was probably one of the best guys out there the other night. I mean, he—he he definitely looks improved for some reason. If he's one of the guys that Jones Angel reads out as the starters on on the board before the game. He doesn't perform all that well. You put him in that rotational role, though. He seems to be able to do some things for you. I think at this point, if if he, I mean, I I, I don't know. I I, I would say start him, but we know that hasn't really worked out great for him, unfortunately. At this point, though, I mean, he's got to probably play a big role if Azudu can't play for you. But I I mean, you are really hoping that maybe this was something where they felt we can sit him out. Load management. Georgia State. Or not even that. Maybe they felt like it was an injury that is something that could linger throughout the season. Let's try to sit him and see if we can get this to sort of calm down. What I'm saying is, and and we'll talk about it more when we preview the game, he's got to play against Virginia or this offensive line's in a lot of trouble.
1: I think the most dumbfounding thing is this offensive line, now granted they haven't been healthy, as, as, as they could be to start the season. They appear that they didn't take the next step. It's more the same line that we saw against the Notre Dames, the A&M's. I think it's a step back. Exactly. I, I'm going to be honest and with th- you. And that's – that's the most dumbfounding The thing that we've all got to send the stadium scratch in our head is that um, this this was an offensive line that last year was able to bully opponents. They bullied a Virginia Tech team. They bullied a Miami front that was as good a front they saw in the ACC a year ago. Where is that same sense of urgency? They've got to get more physical at the line of scrimmage.
0: I'm not going to officially judge them until they're fully healthy and we see this team out here for a couple of games in terms of grading them against last year's unit but I I just you felt like from what you heard that the depth behind them would be better than they are right now yeah that they would have that group would have taken a step forward and look I didn't expect them without Brian Anderson and then without Joshua Zudu to be better than they were a year ago. But, I mean, it is a significant step back. It's a significant difference. And, and you know, I, I get it. I mean, Brian Anderson's your guy in the middle, and, and he's a really good communicator. I mean, a Zulu speaks for itself. But the thing about Brian Anderson is I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, he's good, but we feel like there's guys coming up that could be better than him. Well, right now, that's not being that that's not proving to be the case, and there's still a lot of work that they've got to do on the offensive line, and they got to do it because they've got to get a running game going. Carolina's leading rusher out of the running backs in this game was Ty Chandler, 15 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Doesn't seem all that bad, but 3.9 yards per carry is not going to get it done. The guys behind him didn't fare much better. Caleb Hood, four carries, 14 yards. British Brooks, four carries, 10 yards. I mean, Carolina did not have a guy the other night that averaged even four yards per carry. The only guy that did was your starting quarterback.
1: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of criticism coming Ty Chandler's way, but he doesn't have anywhere to go.
0: No, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't take much of an issue with Ty Chandler. I, uh, I think there was one or two holes that he may have missed. But to be honest with you, they're just, there's not a lot of room for
1: him to run. And, and it's really not. And last year, and look, Michael Carter and Javante Williams were, were great running backs or going to be great running backs in the NFL. The offensive line was making the holes for them to run through defense. It wasn't like they were just shedding seven, eight tackles on every run. There were big gaps for them to go through where they weren't getting touch to the second level. Has Carolina had that type of run yet this year between the Virginia Tech game and last week's game from a with a running back? Not yet. It's happened with Sam Howell, which look, I think you've got to incorporate his legs, but you that, that was also not a designed run. Right. He, he took so off that part ran. Of, that's part of the reason why. And so I think that's just where Carolina for whatever reason, they're not getting the same push up front because I, I firmly believe that if if, if, if the hole is there, Tachian's going to hit the hole and he's going to be at the second level. Because if not, would Carolina have entertained the idea of, of bringing him in as a transfer? I don't think so. So it, it's 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 really it's really hard to really gauge this offense because. What Sam Howell did their night throwing the football is what Sam Howell has the capability of doing when they can run the football with their running backs. He was able to do that off of very much him making things happen in the running game. You've got to get Ty Chandler going. You've got to figure out who your number two running back is going as well because if
0: Carolina can't run the football – it's going to be really hard to see this team playing meaningful games come November. Well, one of the other things I think that hurt was that they didn't have G- DJ Jones in this game. Or if he was dressed, they did not use him. But – he was one of the guys that they talked about today that they are going to be evaluating throughout the week. So that tells me, honestly, we remember that hit that he took in, I think it was the third quarter against Virginia Tech. Or maybe it was the fourth quarter where he took that big hit later, Or uh, after he caught the ball out of the backfield. Just took a huge hit and was slow to get up. I think that was probably something that affected him a lot more than he let on during the game. Once the adrenaline wore off, that was something that became more evident. That was an actually actual injury problem. And I think that hurt because, you know, you were watching him in the game against Virginia Tech, and I remember you saying to me, he's got some Michael Carter to him. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of that element to his game. So, to have him back in the backfield would be huge, but... That's just part of it. Injuries are part of it right now, and look, everybody throughout the country is is going through it. I mean, this is this is something that we knew too, coming off of a COVID year, having missed all that time in the weight room a year ago, even back in back last summer and last spring. That was going to hurt guys and their development, and it could lead to some of these injuries. So Carolina's just got to be able to bounce back. Actually, let's talk about the health really quickly here since we're just focusing on the negatives. And if if you're going off of this, you'd have thought we lost the game here. Um, But... It is starting to become a factor. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, DJ Jones, you know, well, I don't even know if he was dressed in this game. It wasn't reported that he wasn't dressed in this game. But to be fair, I think most of the focus was probably on the fact that Joshua Zudu did not dress in yep. this game. We've talked about the fact that Storm Duck has been dressed uh, in consecutive games but has not played. Chaffrey Brown hasn't gotten a ton of run. We saw him a little bit more later in the game. And I, I, at this point, I mean, I know he had a drop, that kind of had everyone groaning, but uh, he... Made a couple of nice plays. He's a guy that hopefully can play a little bit more of a role for Carolina going forward uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, Carolina's now got to deal with the fact that Jaquarius Conley is banged up uh, with that hand injury. We don't know how much he's going to be able to play, uh, how effective he'll be able to be if he is out there. Uh, that's a guy you'd love to have out there, but if he can't tackle guys, then you simply can't have him on the field. Uh, and then, I mean, you're talking, we saw go off the field. They did not list him in the injury report, but I we saw Jeremiah Gimmel go back to the locker yeah. room early. I'm not sure what that is, but hopefully that's not an injury to him. I, I know that uh, he had one tackle the other night in the game – it wasn't, you know, this has not been a phenomenal statistical start for him, um, but he is the leader of your defense. Without him on the field, it's going to be, uh, it, it's it's a challenge in and of itself for that defense to adjust to, and you would just hate that for a defense that has shown some really positive signs out of the gate so far. Uh, so, Carolina, I mean, that's that's something that they've got to deal with, especially in that secondary, as we talked about. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's, it's the name of the game. It's, it's part of the game, especially coming off a of COVID year. You've seen it in Major League Baseball, you saw it in the NBA. You're going to see it in the NFLs. We're getting into. You're already NFL. seeing it. Look
0: at all the injuries right. in Week One in the NFL. So
1: it, it's just it's just part of it, um, and it's why Mac Brown and, the, and his staff on the recruiting. That's why they're so aggressive trying to add depth, because the schools that have depth they they, they 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 don't miss a beat when injuries happen. They just roll the next guy out and they go out there and make plays, but. You know, there was still, you know, as you said, it kind of sounds like a negative podcast. There was a lot of positive things that came out of this game. It's just more the fact that, like, we're at the point now where if Mac Brown says, says up there that says we got to play better, then guess what? I believe we got to play better. And, and so I think that's the thing.
0: You won by 42, still got to play better. Yeah. I mean, look, there were some good defensive things that they did throughout the night. I mean, I thought they were very aggressive. They had seven tackles for loss in this game. And I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, it was more consistent. Consistency is what you're looking for instead of just being simply better uh, from your defensive line and really just your defense as a whole. But there were a lot of positives with that. Um, again, I thought, you know, even though there were some lapses in coverage, there were other times where Carolina was in a really good spot to make plays on the football. They had yep. moments where they did a good job at that. There was you know more consistent pressure than we saw in the game against Virginia Tech so there were some positives on that side and then on the offensive side of the ball I believe it or not I did have some positive ones written down here to talk about uh I mean first of all I mean Sam Howell just what a bounce back performance there were people and I get look I get it this is Georgia State this is not a defense that we think is going to be all that great He became just the second Carolina quarterback ever to throw for 300 and rush for 100 yards in the same game. Uh, Last time that happened, Marquise Williams back in 2015. You can guess the game. It's the Duke game. What other game? That's that's easily his best game of all time, and it shouldn't shock anybody. Um, But, you know, to throw for 352 yards three touchdowns, to run for 104 and two touchdowns. All while, I'm going to be honest with you, I still thought there was a decent amount of pressure on him throughout the night. This was the type of performance that he needs, and this shut up everybody that was saying, well, maybe something's just not right about Sam Howe. Maybe this is starting to show some cracks in the armor.
1: Yeah, that was slinging Sammy uh, as good as we've seen him. Slinging um, and scooting, baby. Right, um, and it was really good to see for him. I think we all kind of expected that kind of bounce-pack performance from him. I think the biggest thing that he'll take away from this game is that he has a little bit more confidence in those guys when he throws the ball down the field, whether it's Danton Green, Emory Simmons making some plays. Um and maybe find a new target in Kamari Morales. Carolina got the tight end involved in the offense, something I've been asking for since Phil Longo got here, and that kind of went away from what, you know, a, a, a way to throw the football. But it's it's important because if Sam Howell's confident, then the whole team can feel that confidence. They're all going to play a little bit more of a confidence about themselves. He got back on the right track, um, and it's really good to see because I got really tired of hearing state fans take jabs at their at our quarterback. Um huh. Well, well, yeah,
0: well. so here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. I mean, you can't say anything else. You just lost to the fighting cowbells and a team that can't run the football. They haven't run the football in over a year and a half. So, yeah, I'm not listening to any of those morons that are saying that this, our, our quarterback's not good. My thing was, was more the national writers that were saying, and, and some of the draft guys, Maybe there's just an element to his game. Maybe there's some things that we've really overlooked. And it's the f- it's the first game of the season with him. Well, pretty much having a whole new group
1: Here, here's the thing and and I heard um it might have been might have been David Pollock made brothers on our podcast that I listened to and, and I and I've made the same comment over and over again when it comes to replacing all of the you know the De'Ami Browns the dad Newsoms and those guys the great quarterbacks they elevate the guys around them he did that Saturday night did he do it at Virginia Tech no he didn't that's to, just that's just the facts. To be fair, he didn't really have much time to do that in the game against that's, Virginia Tech look, as well. That's also that's also an excuse. And so the thing is, is that he well, has not the every capability. Explanation
0: is an excuse though. He
1: has the he has the ability to do that. He did that the other night. You expect him to do that moving forward. And so I just think it's something that look. That's part of Carolina being the national spotlight. That's part of him being a Heisman hopeful is that when you have a game like he had at Virginia Tech, people that haven't even watched him how he'll play are going to have an opinion – of Sam Howell, when those guys put on the film from this past week, they'll see the quarterback
0: that we've seen for the last three years. And they're not going to—they're re- they're not going to go on Twitter and say they were wrong because that doesn't bring in the headlines. They don't care, so it, it doesn't matter. Unless he steps up, and even if he plays that way against Notre Dame, if he plays great against Notre Dame, they're not going to care. They're looking for the negative headlines. That's all they really want to focus on. Uh, but yeah, he looked like a guy that—I mean—he looked like a, a, a Heisman hopeful out there the other night, and he did exactly what he needed to do. Very similar to, you know, S- Spencer Radler. I saw a lot of people with both of those guys saying, well, look who th- look at who they played. Well, they played the guys that were in front of them, and they did exactly what they had to do in those games. So that's what you wanted to see from him. Now he's going up against a team this next week that he's had a ton of success against.
1: <laughs> the thing, individually.
0: The, the, yeah, him, him and De'Ami Brown the last two years have killed that team. They just haven't had any help defensively to be able to get the job done. Hopefully that's a little bit different, and hopefully Sam Howell can continue to play the way that he has over the last couple of years against them. Like you said, the wide receivers, really just the pass catchers as a whole, were much, much better than they were in week one. Did a much better job of creating separation. Uh, Antoine Green, that was great to see him. Uh, or Antoine Green, excuse me. We keep calling him. Ant- I keep calling him Antoine. It's Antoine Green. Um, that, that was the guy that we saw flashes of early in his career that the injuries sort of derailed. Um, that catch that he made, I mean, I know he, he beat the guy over the top. He had to make that catch almost down at his at, at knee level because of the way the ball dropped in. That was a phenomenal catch. Emory Simmons, you know, he, he, he looked pretty good uh, the other night. He had a couple of balls that he climbed the ladder to go up and get and looked pretty good. Choffrey uh, Brown had one in the end zone that, to us, looked like a catch. They didn't call it a catch. That was a catch. Uh, that looked – I mean, that was another jump ball where he did a good job of high-pointing the football, going up and getting it. As uh, And then, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, Kamari Morales – Looks really good. I mean, he was targeted four times, caught all, all four targets for 42 yards. And that, what you saw from him the other night is what you're looking for out of that tight end spot. You don't need this dynamic guy that's going to run intermediate and deep routes as a tight end. This, you don't need Michael Mayer from Notre Dame that that guy is he's got to be the guy because Notre Dame doesn't have the wide receiving talent that they need on the outside to win games with their passing game Carolina does you just need a guy that when things break down moves the chains a guy that you can dump it down to just something short you need a safety valve and Carolina has not had that Kamari Morales showed that he could potentially be that guy. And look, it's nothing against Garrett Walston. I thought there were some times the other night where Garrett Walston looked really, really good in run-blocking situations. But Kamari Morales needs to see more run out there, either him or, and I know it was late in the game, Bryson Nesbitt looked really good on his long touchdown grab as well. I think those guys, you've got to start rotating those guys in more, especially if you're going to be a more pass-heavy team. Well, you look at the stat
1: sheet, four tight ends caught a ball the other night. I don't remember the last time Carolina had that kind of production from the tight end group. And look, the last two years, you haven't needed it because you had two 1,000-yard receivers on the outside, and then a plethora of guys that you could rotate in to make plays as well. Right now, you don't have that with De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsom gone, Bo Corral Choffrey Brown, um, they're you know they're hindered with injuries, so you're you're trotting out young guys that have a lot of talent, but they're young and they're struggling to adjust to how to get separation and make plays down the field. The best way to cope that or or to combat that is have a guy that runs a six to eight yard route. You dump the ball down to when pressure gets there and it moves the chain. It's like when Sam Howell tucks and runs for three to four yards. That five to six yard gain, it's a positive play. It keeps your offense on track so you can still run the football if you want to run the football and have the ability to run the football and you're not having to dial up pass plays on third and third
0: you know third and ten or longer good adjustment from Phil Longo let's build off of it well the other thing is really quickly here also people are probably thinking well why are we not having Ty Chandler come out of the backfield to catch the ball why when he's available do we not have DJ Jones to come in there and catch the ball honestly You need those guys to help you pass protect because your offensive line is not getting the job done. So with them having to stay and help you pass protect, that's eliminating that element. That's where you need the tight ends to step up because those have been his safety valves the last couple of years. If nothing's open downfield to Diami or to Daz, I'm going to check it down to Michael Carter. I'm going to check it down to Javante. They don't have that right now. You need your tight ends to step up and be those guys. And like you said, they've got a few options there uh, to look through. And, and I think that's a unit, John Lilly and Phil Longo, along with Mac Brown, they've got to take a hard look at that group and say, look, can we start? Maybe substituting Garrett out and finding some other playing time for some of these guys. By the way, Josh Downs. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest. It really didn't look like all that flashy of a game from him. He's going to be this type of player, though. That's how damn good he is. Yards. I mean this. This is reminiscent of Switzer in his senior season, where there would be games where you just you would look on the stat sheet and be like, "Where did these even come from?" But he he's a guy that. Sam Howell can rely on, and he's, he's going to be so electric. I, I hope that he you know can just continue this trajectory throughout the season because he's off to a fantastic start. We go take a look at our player of the game for the game against Georgia State. I mean, was this one ever really in question? I mean, look, there were some guys that had really good performances. I think the one that probably came the closest was probably Jaquarius Conley. Got off to a great start in the game broke his hand in the first half, came back with it in a cast and actually played in the second half, made a tackle. I don't know. His dad actually tweeted the video out earlier. I don't know if you saw it. He basically just tackles him with his right arm, wraps up with his right arm, and brings him down because he couldn't really use the left arm. He tackled better with one arm than most of Vic Koning's defenses back in the mid-2000s did with two capable arms. Christ. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, great performance from him, but come on, guys. It's Sam Howell. As we mentioned, 352 passing yards, three touchdowns on 21 of 29. Passing did not turn the football over in this game. Uh, In terms of an interception, I guess they would credit that fumble to him, but that was, I mean, there's nothing he could do there. Got knocked out of his hand by his running back, who I don't really know what Ty Chandler was doing on that play. Um, But Carolina was able to recover, and of course, as you see on the scoreboard, had no issue. Also, 11 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. The highlight, real play that 62 yard rushing touchdown where Scoot and Sammy showed the wheels. And uh, as we mentioned, just the second Tariel quarterback ever to have a game where he threw for at least 300 or more yards and ran for at least 100 or more yards. Exactly what the doctor ordered after a tough game on the road to open the season against Virginia Tech. So that wraps it up for our look at the game against Georgia State. We are now officially getting ready to turn our attention towards the Virginia game. Carolina of course will welcome in the Virginia Cavaliers looking for their first win against the Cavaliers in five years. That'll be on Saturday night at 730. We're going to have you covered throughout the week. Of course we've got everything up there from the Georgia State game. You guys can go and check that out at the. the time that we release the podcast everything should be up so you'll have the recap up there you'll have the trench report and then of course the stock report for you guys to take a look at all that stuff definitely still going to be relevant especially that stock report that sort of takes a look at the guys trending up and down as they head towards the next game so you know uh, guys that come in on a hot streak, guys that really need to step it up stuff like that so make sure that you guys check that out over on the website we'll have the preview for you as well up there that one will go even more in depth uh, than we do on the podcast. Podcast side of things when we end up doing that, uh, it'll give you team breakdowns. Uh, you'll get team stat comparisons. You'll get injury reports uh, that we have. You know the the information that is available that we can find out there. Um, you know that that all that stuff will be in there. Projected starting lineups, all that kind of stuff, so you guys can be prepared for the game in Keenan on Saturday night. Uh, podcast uh, for the for the preview that one will be out here pretty soon as well. Um, don't believe we're we're not sure if we're going to be able to. Do do that one live uh, but we are going to uh, definitely record that one in person together on camera just don't know if we'll be doing that one live on Wednesday night or not so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that Uh, and then uh, of course we'll have the recap and preview the next week as well same fashion as always and you can have you you can uh, either way you want to go ahead and and take a look at the podcast, whether it's through the video version here or if you want to listen to the audio version. We've got plenty of different ways you can listen to the audio version. Of course, now our hosting site is Megaphone because we are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You guys can also listen to it on that website uh, and Megaphone as well. And then, of course, listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. You can still listen to it, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those. Everything is still there. Nothing has changed with that. Uh, We just just shifted you know on the back end where we upload the podcast and everything like that so nothing is really that different at all Uh, and we appreciate you guys that have been with us throughout this time best place to find all the stuff that we just talked about the articles the video podcast the audio podcast is on the Facebook page make sure you search it on Facebook at Heel Tough blog, if you're not already liking and following the page, make sure you do that. That'll give uh, you guys anything that you need in your uh, podcast or in your – Facebook timeline. It'll also give you the notifications whenever we are going live for our live editions of the show, whenever we are posting a video as a premiere, if we record them ahead of time, all that stuff. You'll get all those notifications on there. And of course, all that stuff, as I mentioned, will be on your timeline. So all those articles will pop up automatically. You won't have to be in one of those groups to be able to find it on Facebook. It'll be right there for you guys on your timeline. So you can look at it right there and then and get the latest news and opinions. Ontario sports. Also, head over to the webs uh, head over to Twitter. Uh, we are at HeelToughBlog on Twitter as well for the official site Twitter handle, and then uh, for personal uh, Twitter handles, uh, it's me at HTB Anthony, Josh at HTB Josh, and then our recruiting analyst uh, Zach Hubbard is at Zubbard too. Make sure you guys give all of those accounts a follow. We would greatly appreciate it. So that does it for this edition of the Heel Tough Walk podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as Always go Torius.